Okay. I've been helping out do with that family room as well. I'm excited about it. It looks great. They've been doing a fantastic job on it. And the nursery. I mean, just the relaunch of these things is just, you're doing it well. You're doing it well. And it's re it looks really good. I'm really excited about it uh, and what God has in store to use it to be a blessing for families. Amen? Because we are a family church. As we know, we, that's our, one of our taglines is we are a family church. Uh, so one other quick announcement. Anybody know what's going on this coming Tuesday? Election voting, yes. Uh, so I just encourage you to get out. I know it's a midterm, uh, as they call it. It's even, not even a midterm. It's kind of like an off-term, right? It's like this weird, this weird uh, time frame where not a lot of people think about it. You do see the yard signs, so you kind of half remember of what's going on. It's a lot of local elections. And as we have found out the last go-around, local elections are important. In fact, they are very important because a lot of them control exactly what happens in the schools of our children and some of the things in our county and in health departments and stuff like that. So I would highly encourage you to know uh, your district and what your ballot will look like and where to go and vote. And if you haven't signed up to vote, you're probably too late because it's Sunday and it's Tuesday. Uh, but if you are signed up, I just encourage you to get out and vote because I think it's important. Uh, more so now than ever. It was always important. It just feels more important now, does it not, with all the stuff that's going on. So please don't for, uh, forget to do that on Tuesday. Um, okay, so you already gave that out. Let me do, say a scripture over offering. Uh, and I want to get into some, some vision casting this morning and talk a little bit about what the Lord is doing. Uh, it's going to be real personal to start. So I don't want anybody to check out and be like, oh, this is, we're just casting vision for the church uh, because we are and we will, and I will talk about that. But there's the opening part of my message is something I really think is for each and every one of us to, to listen to. So the offering scripture this morning is out of John chapter 4, verse 34. How many know there's so much good stuff in the Bible? If you haven't noticed, I did the call to worship out of John 4. I did the communion out of John 4, and I'm doing the offering out of John 4, and I've got a benediction. Guess where that's going to come from? Out of John chapter 4. Oh my gosh, you guys are amazing. You guys are on it this morning. I love it. John chapter 4. I can do opening the worship. I can do closing the service. I can do communion. I can do all in one chapter of the Bible. Guys, we need to read our Bibles. I mean, even if you just read one chapter a week and just meditate on it, it will dr dramatically change your life. Amen? The Word of God is just powerful and living. Amen. So John chapter 4, verse 34 says, Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Whew. My food, my sustenance is to do his will. Church, think about that. Jesus is saying the food that I take in, in a sense he's kind of drawing a picture or a parallel here, saying the food, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Verse 35 says, do you not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes, look at the fields, for they are already white with harvest. Church, look up in the grocery store. Look up in your school. Look up in your workplace. Look up everywhere you go. The fields are white for harvest. And I believe as we get closer and closer to Jesus' return, whenever that might be, 
more and more of those will come to know the Lord. And the local church and every one of you has a part to play in that. And we'll talk about that here in a little bit. And then it says, And he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life, that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in this the saying is true, one sows and another reaps. Which says, I didn't get to lead that person to the Lord. But you know what? You are sowing that word to that person. You are sowing to that person over and over and over. And and it says statistically the average person needs to hear the gospel between 7 and 13 times before they make a decision. So don't stop sharing the gospel. Don't stop saying, you know what? You need to understand who Jesus is. Start sharing your testimony because you don't know which one of that number you are planting that seed. One sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap for which you have not labored. Others have labored and you have entered into their labors. Why am I talking about this for offering linked with a vision Sunday? Is there's been many laborers who have poured into this church and continue to pour into this church. Both financially, physically, with blood and sweat and tears. And they have been sowing. They have been sowing. They have been sowing. And we will continue to sow. But I'm here to tell you this morning that there is going to be reaping as well. We're moving into a time in our church. And we're moving into a time in this area and in this country of a time of reaping. And I'm excited what the Lord is going to do. And I know I'm talking about tithes and offerings. But it is to show you that whatever you are doing Do it wholeheartedly and do it unto the Lord. The Lord loves a cheerful giver. He wants his kingdom to expand. And I'm going to talk more about that in a minute. So let's pray over our offering. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for every gift, every giver. We thank you, Lord, for the generations that have come before us who have poured finances and time and effort into this church, into this facility, and into these people, Lord. Father, I thank you, Lord, that they have labored and that their labor is not in vain. And so, Father, I just pray that you bless these finances, the church finances, our personal finances, the congregation's finances. Father, we thank you, Lord, that we are to be debt-free in Jesus' name. That you are making a way because you've got plans and purposes for those funds. And so, Father, we give you all the honor, all the glory. And Lord, as I speak this morning, may it be of you. May it be the vision that you have for us moving forward in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Well, I call the title of this, so we're going to do a couple weeks series. We're coming off of the offenses series. And then we had Jeremy Gall, Reverend Jeremy Gall last week. How many enjoyed Reverend Jeremy Gall? Man, he's awesome evangelist. I was driving from Virginia back. I was trying to listen to it. I was in the mountains somewhere in Pennsylvania. It was cutting in and out. I was getting frustrated. So I just stopped it and I was just praying. I was like, all right, Lord, bless the church. Bless the congregation. I heard Ellie's, Ellie gave a word and then, babe, you gave a word. It was just, I only heard bits and pieces of the service, but it was just absolutely amazing what the Lord was doing. But we're moving into this new series. Uh, Got to grab my football. We're moving into this new series, and it's a vision series. And we're going to talk this week about moving forward in vision. And then next week, I'm going to talk a little bit more about the leadership structure of the church and what that looks like, how it's different from before. 
And then in three weeks from now, I believe Brother Andy's going to be giving an amazing message, uh, a testimony, because we're going to be out of town. And then we're going to, really on the 21st is what we're going to do. This whole series is going to culminate, and we are going to ordain Andy as one of our elders and one of our associate pastors. So I am so looking forward to that. It's going to be an amazing time. But we're doing that in like week three or four because there's a lot of stuff that is going to lead up to that that I want you guys to understand the reasons for it and how God is bringing us together in this way. So moving forward. What is moving forward? It's moving. Yeah, you guys remember the prophetic word uh, that Pastor Jack, or as we call him, Grubby, had given uh, at the conference that we were at a couple weeks back. It was the stop and then go. Stop and then go. And this is what we have been experiencing. This is what you all have been experiencing. We wanted to launch nursery a year and a half ago, but it was just, the Lord just kept putting up roadblocks and stop. And then, we, then he would say go, and then we would go a little bit. Then he would say stop. But the word for the church now is go. And because it's go, it means moving forward. We're not moving backwards, church. We are moving forward in God and what he has in store for us. So open up your Bibles to Habakkuk chapter 2. It's in the Old Testament towards the back, one of the prophets. And as I said earlier, this, the beginning of this message applies to each and every one of you. Whether you're a guest, whether you you know, have never been here before, or whether you've been here for 30 years, this applies to each and every one of us. And Habakkuk 1, the prophet, he's asking God a bunch of questions. He's asking the Lord all these questions. How many of you know say it's okay to ask questions? Come on, church. It's okay to ask questions of the Lord. And he's asking these questions. He's asking these questions all throughout Habakkuk 1. And then in chapter 2, it opens with this. It says, I will stand my watch and set myself on the rampart. What is a rampart? It's part of our, you guys know the Star Spangled Banner, but it's a wall of protection for the most part. A ramp is a wall of protection. And watch to see what he will say to me. And what I will answer when I am corrected, and then the Lord answered me and said. So think about that. Here he is, he's asking a bunch of questions, and then he says, you know what, I'm going to stand, and I'm going to watch, I'm going to be ready, I'm going to be ready on that wall, whatever the Lord has to say to me, even if it's corrective, ouch, even if it's corrective, Lord, what do you have to say to me? And here's how the Lord answered me and said this, write the vision. So he's asking questions. What do I do? What, I mean, he's asking all these questions in chapter 1, and in chapter 2, the Lord says, write the vision. So he's saying to write it down. Put it somewhere so you can see it. If you don't write it down, how will you remember it? How many of you guys have like this photographic memory? Okay, even if you raise your hand, you don't remember everything. You have to write it down. I have this little thing here about writing it down. I know I tell, I tell Liz this all the time. I tell all you guys all the time. In my phone, I have my notes on my iPhone that has the things the Lord has said to me. And I printed it out recently. You know how many pages it is? 18 pages of things that the Lord has spoken to me. 
specifically to me, either prophetically, through my wife, through a friend, through my time in prayer. I mean, I'm not going to show it to you, and I'm not going to let you read it because it's fairly personal. It's two sides. No, that's 18 pages, double-sided, so nine printed, both sides, 18. And we think of this, this, I've been doing this for about, I mean, really it's been 10 years, but the, the, the bulk of it with the dates on it, it's been about three, three to four years. 18 pages of stuff. I'm not going to remember all this stuff. But the interesting thing is, I have it printed out, and I can go back and read. Do you know how many times I've read through this? Probably a hundred. Because it, it's a constant reminder to me of what the Lord has said to me. It's constant encouragement to me. And I get to read the Bible, and I say, Lord, what have you spoken to me directly? That's why he's saying, write the vision down. You have to write it somewhere on your life. What is the Lord speaking to you about? You need to write it down. Like our primary message in our life is like, hear from God and do what he says. Hear from God and do what he says. Well, hear from God, write it down, and then do what he says. And if you haven't done what he said, go back and reread it again until you go do it. There are things in here that I haven't done yet. There are things in here that it's not the timing for it just yet. And that's okay. Write the vision. We have to put it somewhere where we can see it. And make it plain on tablets. If you can't read cursive, then don't write it in cursive. If you can't read Latin, then don't translate into Latin or Greek. Write it so you can see it. Write it so you can understand it. Write it in the words. Like a lot of times when the Lord speaks, it's almost like he impresses something upon you. And you just, I would encourage you just to write it down. Like right away. Because over the course of time, how many of you guys know this? It's like, uh, what did we call, uh, with Jeremy Gall, we were laughing, called evangelastic. <laughs> evangelastic stories. Like what it was, right, evangel, he always calls himself, he's like, I don't even watch that, I don't give evangelastic stories. Like you begin to stretch what actually happened in order to make it seem or look differently. In order to not do that, if we write it down, if we make it plain and we see it, and we can write it down right there, when we go back and look at it a year from now, it'll be as it was as we remembered it. It says, write the vision and make it plain on tablets. So listen to this, that he may run who reads it. When I don't feel like running, how many of you don't always feel like running? through whatever God has in store for you today. Maybe it's going to your job. Maybe it's dealing with your spouse. So you guys have been a little bit of, not that everyone in here ever has had any spousal things like this, right? No, okay, not here. But you can go back and read the word of God and read what God has told you. And it actually motivates you to run. To run. It's exciting when you see what the God wants to go do and a vision that he gives you. And when I share some of the vision of the church, it's going to make you want to run. I don't know how many of you will stand up and run today. I, you know, I was praying for about four or five of you. I'm just kidding. Sort of. But the vision should be exciting to make you want to run because it's a hope for tomorrow. I'm going to get to that in a minute. I'm getting ahead of myself. That he may run who reads it. Verse 3, this is God speaking, but the vision, for the vision is yet for an appointed time. Oh, an appointed time. Guess who gets to appoint the time? <laughs> yeah, God does. 
You know what? We want to appoint the time, don't we? Like, no, I want to do that now. I want to launch nursery now, Lord. I want it to be a done a year or two years ago, but it wasn't the appointed time to launch the nursery, and so we had to wait while the time was tarrying, while we had to wait. How many of you know that waiting is hard? I mean, it is hard, especially in today's society. You don't have to wait for anything. You can door dash your food and get it in like 30 minutes. You don't even have to move. You just sit on your phone. DoorDash, Chipotle, burrito, pay, face ID, paid, done. You don't even have to ding dong, right? The bell rings. You're super cool. Bell ringer has a camera on it. Ah, it's the DoorDash guy. Just leave it by the door. Yeah, I mean, it's literally, it's crazy. We can get everything we want instantaneously. And so waiting for us, guess what? It's hard. How do you think uh, Caleb and Joshua felt when they saw the promised land and they knew they could have it, but they couldn't have it for how many years? Lots of years, 40 of them. I'm only in my mid-40s. I couldn't imagine waiting for 40 years for something the Lord had told me that's going to happen or do. But the Lord says it right here. Though it tarries, we have to wait for it. In his appointed time. How he wants to have it done. Not in our time. But here's the promise. Because it will surely come. Come on, church. It will surely come. I stand on this word knowing that every word of God, every promise will surely come. And I stand on these words that the Lord has given me. I say, it will surely come in his timing. And I can tarry and I have to wait sometimes. Verse 4. We usually stop at verse 3. Don't we? I mean, most times you've heard a message on Habakkuk. You stop right there. But verse 4 says this, Behold the proud, his soul is not upright in him. What this is saying to me is, it's God's appointed time, not yours. Do you think to be so prideful that you decided on the time that God was going to act? How dare you? You need to seek his timing. Be, be ready to wait in his timing. It says, Behold the proud, the soul is not upright in him. What is pride? One definition of pride is to think that you can do it on your own and to think that you can do it in your own time. Because God is orchestrating a plan. And then it says this, but the just shall live by faith. The just shall live by his faith. The just shall live by faith. So while we're waiting... While he's tarrying, while we have these words that the Lord has told us or spoken to us over our lives, we stand in what? We stand in faith. Faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these is love, but there's only three words in there, which means the other two are pretty darn important. Hope and faith. And this hope is a vision of something moving forward, seeing something. Faith is what we stand in today, believing that tomorrow can be something different. And we do it in love every single day. Proverbs 29, 18, if you want to jump over to this just for a minute. 
It says where there is no revelation, other, other versions of it say where there is no vision, where there's nothing written down so you cannot run and you're not sure if you're not running, sometimes we're not moving. Where there's no vision, no revelation, the people cast off restraint. Other versions say the people perish without hope for the future, without a vision for your life. It says that people will perish because the Lord knows that challenges are of today. It says you will have many challenges, but take heart, I've overcome them all, says Jesus. But that means we have challenge after challenge in this life in which we live until Jesus returns. So we have to have a hope for our life that is of the future, of Jesus' return, but a hope for a life for us individually. Lord, what do you want from my life? And a lot of times it's not this huge, massive, grandiose thing in where you change the world. God has us in all different places, doing all kinds of different things. So, of course, our ultimate hope, our ultimate hope is in Christ, in his return, his thousand-year reign, and then eternity with him. And I did, we did a whole series on that back, and there's a great book by John Eldridge. Uh, if you're interested in that, you should read it. What's the name of the book? All Things New, fantastic about, the, about just putting your hope in God and Christ and what he is going to do upon his return and stuff like that. But I'm talking about today, right now. Hope and a vision for now. What does this look like in our life? How do I find it? I've got some things I want to share with you today. How do you find it? How do I find it? Number one, sometimes we need to remember. Sometimes he's already told you the vision. He's already given you an idea for the future. He's already directed you in some way. And sometimes we just have to remember it. If we didn't write it down, if we didn't go back to it, if we can't go back to it, I would just ask you, even today, this morning, say, Lord, what have you spoken to me as a hope for my future that I can stand on this morning? What is it? I believe that everyone has one, that he has spoken to every one of us. In Joshua 4, we don't have the scripture up there, but they placed the 12 stones in the, right there for everyone to see so we could remember it. Remember what he's already said. Find where you wrote it down or write it down. Ask the Lord to remind you of it. Remember a dream that God's already given you. Don't give up on those dreams. The second thing is sometimes it just shows up. Sometimes you're not seeking it, you're not asking for it, and the Lord just puts an impression upon you, he gives you a word, something happens, it just, there's time and time in the Bible where this is very, very clear. Ananias and Paul in the Bible, we've done that uh, scripture verse not that long ago. To us, when we were sitting right here in the sanctuary, and the Lord told us to leave GE and go help at the church. Right? I mean, I wasn't looking for that, believe me, I wasn't looking for that. I was going to finance the ministry. In Jesus' name, I'm going to continue to finance the ministry. Doesn't mean you can't work it and finance it at the same time, amen? Watch my words, right, Paul? Yeah, watch what I'm saying, amen. My confessions. But I just assumed I was going to be the one who finances the ministry. I'll pay off the building, I'll do all that. And the, what the Lord had said, no, you need to go work at the church. Okay. Sometimes it just shows up. Sometimes we need to seek it in prayer. 
The Bible says in Matthew 7, I don't believe I have this up there, but it says this. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone, 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 everyone who asks receives and he who seeks will find. And to him who knocks it will be opened. So keep pressing in. Lord, what do you have for me next in the next season of my life? It doesn't matter how old or young you are. This is not a message for the young people to have some great vision of a career. I'm not talking about that. I'm saying, Lord, what do you have in this season? What do you have in the next season of my life? I don't, I don't think Camille's here, but she's a perfect example of that. That woman is driven by mission and by a vision on her life to be a missionary, to be evangelized, to reach people for Jesus. And she's running around in her 80s like, it's like she's in her 20s. Who can keep up with her? Nobody. Good luck. But she's got a hold of something on her life and knows what she is driven to go do. And each of us can see this and have this as well. And then sometimes it's right in front of us. And I think too much in American culture, in Western society, is... We believe that the vision for our life has to be some grandiose plan in which we move to a city and radically change the entire city for Jesus and it's just and you got books written about you. And anything less than that is like no one's called me for the autobiography. I'm just going to start writing it myself. Who knows who's going to publish it? And what I've learned throughout my life is that many times, if not all the time, a piece of the vision for your life is right in front of you. Your marriage, right in front of you. And we're constantly over here looking for something else, looking for the promotion, looking for someone to, we need to preach the gospel to this person over here, and my marriage is failing over here. No, God said the vision is your marriage first. Get your, take your eyes off of all this other stuff that will make you feel better and put it where it needs to be first and foremost. And how about our children? How about our grandkids? Guys, I'm, I'm guilty of this, right? I am guilty of this. I have like grandiose dreams and thoughts of changing all of Erie. We'll get to that in a minute. Right, And this is what I want to see, and I can see this, and I'll blast past my kids who are asking me a question that of sincere heart, they can't find their socks, and I don't care, because all of Erie is going to be saved. <laughs> right? You're like, Ruby, I don't care about your socks. i got to get to church. All of Erie is going to be saved. I read a story. Lord, how, I pray that this will never be me. But I read a story of a guy who was a, I won't say who the person was, and it was a reference, but they were the son of a great ministry name that you would probably all know. And they were talking about this person's father. They were given all the amazing things that this person did and how he loved and how he preached and how he started things. He did all this stuff. And they said, well, what do you think about that? He said, that's great. I never knew that person. Oh, guys, when we get to heaven, when the Lord is looking at us and holding us accountable, he is first and foremost going to talk to us about the relationships on who he put right in front of us. 
I have a heart for the homeless guy down the street. In fact, his name was Thomas. And I met him and I gave him money and I prayed for him just Tuesday or Thursday. I don't remember what day it was. But he's going to hold me first accountable for this relationship. Not my relationship with Thomas, the homeless guy in downtown Erie. This relationship. So I encourage you this morning. Each, there is a vision God has for you and I want you to get a hold of it. Pray about it. Seek it. Write it down. And I would challenge you that most of you, it's right in front of you. Right in front of you, and you're missing it. Because you're walking past it. There's a ministry opportunity right in the workplace and where you're at. In the school and where God has you. All of it. It's right in front of us. And we're looking for some Instagram post that we can put up with, you know, a sea of people behind us. At some evangelistic crusade that we just preached and 100,000 were saved. There are people that are called to do that, but my guess is not the majority of us. He has called us to do what he wants us to go do right where we are. Amen. Okay. And my only last point on that is not up there is, as we, you know, he says, write the vision on the wall and as it tarries, we have to wait for it. Can we find joy in the process? Can we find some joy in the process while we're waiting for these things to come to pass? Right? Can we have some joy in the... I, this is, I'm preaching to myself, okay? There's like a mirror back there. I can see my... There's not really a mirror. But I can see myself in the mirror. Can we find joy in the process and not be frustrated in the everyday because something didn't happen just yet? It's a wasted life. It's a wasted life. There's joy in the process if we can see it and if we can find it. Okay, so let's talk about the church. Paul, you'll put that vision slide up for me. So I encourage you guys, and even as I talk about some of these things, there may be some things that I'll say ping on the inside. And I want you to continue to pray about it because there may be parts of this that connected where you need to be serving, where you need to be helping, where you need to be doing something. Okay, so what is our church? I've already said we have a family church, right? We're called a family church. And the vision that this church was founded on is reaching one million souls for Jesus Christ. And I think I've mentioned before that as I was praying and as I was seeking the Lord, there's these two, you can't see them, but there's Route 90 going across and Route 79 going down. This is our logo. This is our church logo. And the Lord just revealed to me, count up the populations of the counties going across 90 and down 79 in western PA. And shockingly enough, the number was a million. Hey. So Pastor Jim and Pam, they were called to Erie, become established, and to build a great church, and they have done so. And we honor them and recognize them for it. And the Lord is beginning to expand the vision of our church in northwestern Pennsylvania, and how do we specifically go about reaching those million souls for Jesus Christ? There's been words over our church, death to life, marked by miracles, the addition by subtraction one I shared a few weeks ago. There was a vision of a beacon of light over all of northwest Pennsylvania coming out of Erie, Pennsylvania. There was a word of seeing the least of these saved. There was a word that I had of all of Erie saved. There was the stop, there was the go, there was the moving forward, there was the reverse Jenga. 
I won't explain all these to you, but just know that there's been a lot of prophetic words over this church. And here's what I'd like to tell you about all these. I want to try to succinctly kind of put these together. The addition to our church, ladies and gentlemen, is going to be from the lost and the broken. I'm going to say it again. Because I think we all nod our heads now. It's going to be a little uncomfortable when it happens. Why, what do you mean? Because they're not going to look like you. They're not going to act like you. They're not going to smell like you. But they're who God wants to see saved at Erie Christian Fellowship Church. The lost and the broken. And everything I share, we've been trying to take all of that into consideration. No, it's not church transfer, guys. It is not church transfer. It's the lost and the broken. And you say, and when we think of lost and broken, we think of, you know, like the home, my homeless friend Thomas. But we're not talking about that necessarily and only that. You know how many lost and broken people are even in these neighborhoods where God has planted us? And we had a vision of the church, I believe, honey, you had it before, that when we see the lost and the broken and the children all over this campus, hundreds of children of all ethnic backgrounds, it will be those things, seeing them saved and their lives transformed, that gets the attention of this neighborhood over here. And that's exciting. We also have to take into consideration with the vision moving forward that the church has and will be under additional persecution. Guys, it's just going to be what it is what it is. You know what I mean? This is like, this is the times that we live in. And so we have to take that into consideration as well. And words that have been resonating with us are this restart, or this relaunch, or this refocus, that we are going to begin to launch out of moving forward on what God has in store for this church. Part of the changes are, I'm going to talk about this next week, is the leadership structure change, moving to an eldership structure, away from a hierarchical structure. I've been wanting to do this for years, and Pastor Jack, one of my mentors, said, hold on, son, go slow. And it's interesting looking back, because I would have made the wrong decision if I would have done it in my own time. But write the vision down and wait for it, though it may tarry. And I knew it was something I wanted to change. I knew it was something that we needed to change as a, as a church structure from a leadership perspective. But I had to wait. We've been doing this for three years. Like, I wanted to change it on day one. Okay, new leadership, let's change how we do everything. The Lord was like, uh-uh. Through my mentor. <laughs> nope, can't do that. I mentioned a little bit, we talked about Andy and bringing him on as a pastor and as an elder of the church. We'll be getting into that more next week. But I want to talk briefly about these four quadrants, about the vision. The lost saved. You see that up there? Now listen, guys, all of this only works through prayer, participation, and partnership. It's what makes the circle go round, what makes all of this happen. But the lost saved. I'd given a vision series a little while back, and I said, well, what does that look like specifically? Well, the lost saved means this. That means that the average person needs to hear the gospel 7 to 13 times. And the average person is not going to come to church 7 to 13 times 
waiting for the gospel message to be presented to them. If they do come, we will present the gospel message. But what this means, I truly believe, is each and every one of us, everyone that I'm looking at, has a responsibility on who the Lord has placed in their life. Who has he placed right in front of you to begin to share the gospel with? Who has he placed right in front of you? I, we have said this before, and you have noticed, after three years, we are not designing Sunday morning service to be a place where we make it very, very comfortable for a newcomer to come. That's not the goal, what I believe, of Sunday morning. The goal of Sunday morning is to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry, which means Sunday morning is to fill you up to be in God's presence, to hear the word of God for you so that you can go out and be the church. And see the lost being saved. They don't have to come to this church. They can go to any church. But we want to see the lost saved. I know there's these bad words out there about a seeker-friendly church. But I can tell you, we will be warm. We will be welcoming. But I truly believe that evangelism today and moving forward is on a one-to-one -one basis. One reaching one. It's also called relational evangelism, but that's what I see beginning to happen in this church. The sick healed. What do I mean by the sick healed? What do you think I mean by the sick healed? Yeah, the spiritual gifts of the Lord are in full operation in this church. And I believe we're going to see it more so and more so. Marked by miracles. I am telling you that it's not just going to be me who are laying hands on people and seeing them healed. But it's you all laying hands on people and seeing them healed. I believe that the gifts of the Spirit as we get closer to Jesus' return is going to be more and more and more and more. You need to seek them. You need to ask them for them. Ask us questions about them. I mean, I've always had a heart to see people healed. I shared that dream that I had a while back about me going and seeing people healed. But that was a vision for us as a church. And it wasn't just here on the front and people just falling over and everybody being healed. It was each and every one of you being out in your workplace and in your schools and where you work, being able to pray for people and see miracles happen. Testimonies upon testimonies. Lives transformed. What do we mean by that? We're working on some things on the grief ministry for those who have lost a loved one. We're working on a new believer ministry, some things and tools that we can give to people. Because we have to remember, those who are coming, they don't know how to read the Bible. They don't know what steps they need to go take next. And we need to equip the church and you to be able to know how to take that person to the next step, to the next level. Working on a new believer ministry. Working on seeing more and more groups, more and more groups, life groups, people being connected and doing life together. So I was driving to the, I work at the chamber a couple days a week. As I was driving down, I came over, actually I came over a hill. Every time the Lord speaks to me in a car, it's when I come over the top and I start going down a hill. Interesting thing is, is when you're doing that, is you can see. Holy cow, this is like a revelation I'm just having. So every time you're approaching the top of a hill, say, Lord, what do you want to show me, yeah? He's done this to me a couple times. This is, this is the marked by miracles thing was exactly that. Going up a walnut creek on Route 5. 
This was on 12th Street going into town. You know when you come up and you're about to go down towards maybe it's Green Garden or down towards the Bayfront. And the Lord said, I think I messaged Andy when it happened. He said, 100 by 20. What on earth does that mean? 100 by 20. And I've been, I've been asking, Lord, what does that mean? And by the time I got to the chamber, he revealed to me is that if we are going to reach northwest Pennsylvania, if we are going to reach thousands of people, we'll reach thousands of people who reach a million people for Jesus Christ, it's not going to be by building a massive sanctuary that holds those thousands upon thousands of people every Sunday. I was like, well, what does it mean? And the 100 by 20 was a vision of 100 groups meeting in homes, doing life together, each of 20 people per group. And I was like, that's 2,000 people. But we could do that. And I said, Lord, but I need 100 leaders. Where do I get those from? How many people, Pastor Jason, show up on a Sunday morning at Erie Christian Fellowship Church? About 100 people. It's you. It's the people who are right here. I'm not saying every one of you was called to lead a small group and a shepherd and a pastor in, a, in that type of area, but I'm telling you is that is what the Lord wants to go do. And so if this is binging on, in your spirit, this is resonating with you, then there's going to be more to come to talk about this. Because this church is no longer a spectator sport. Not that it was in the past, but I'm telling you, it's certainly not moving forward. We will launch nursery when there are people to run the nursery. But I see small groups being lost. I can't run 100 small groups. The two of us can't do it. Even with Andy and Sydney and Tan, we can't do 100 small groups. We need everybody participation and sacrifice. So I said this is going to make you want to run. Some of you, it's going to make you want to be like, I don't know if I want to do that. I don't know if I want to get real and honest and be in relationship with other people. But doesn't the Bible call us to do that? I see us doing a better job at pastoral care process, which is what Andy will be working on, and we'll talk a little bit more about that in the future. And then families thriving. I'm going to close with this. Families thriving. Sit if you want to come back up. Liz already shared with you much about nursery, the family room, what we see in the future. But I truly see that, guys, as just a small step to what the Lord has for us in the future. I see, and what we saw before Ryan confirmed it two weeks ago, is kids, kids all over this campus, all over this campus. I don't know exactly how to make that happen or how it's going to work, but kids all over this campus. And I believe that when we pay off the debt, the Lord has been speaking to me that we're going to be able to invest in some type of kids' center of some kind. I don't even know what that looks like. I don't know what it means, but I can see kids playing soccer out there. I can see kids playing flag football over there. I can see kids playing basketball over there. I can see kids playing soccer over here and baseball and all these things. You say, well, that's all sports. Because guess what? I believe that the future of our church has going to be involved with some kind of sports. You happen to have a leader of your church. This is just who I am, guys. And it's what the Lord has burdened me with to see 
kids reached for Jesus. If you want me to cry faster than anything else, is when I'm out somewhere and I see a child who's not with their parents and they're with another caregiver and that caregiver is just being awfully mean to that kid. And you see, you guys see it, you hear it, and I just begin weeping. There are so many kids out there that need Jesus, but they need love from those who are around them. And I believe this church is going to play a huge part in that. And I don't know exactly what it is. I don't have some picture of the kids' center or what it looks like. I'm not running some campaign to raise money for it yet. I'm just saying that we see families thriving and families thriving helping other families thrive and doing more things for marriages and more things for parenting to help equip all of you to do the work that God has placed right in front of you. So let's pray this morning. Father, as we started off, we just said, Lord, show us the vision for our lives. Lord, remind us of something you've already shown us. Lord, bring a revelation to us. Father, we're asking, we're seeking, we're knocking. Lord, reveal to us those things. Open our eyes to the things that are right in front of us in which you're calling us to minister. Father, we pray for marriages. We pray for parents and grandparents. Strengthen them, Lord. Do the work that you've placed right in front of them. And Lord, the vision of this church is your vision that you've given to us. Lord, may we steward that vision. Lord, may we see the lost saved. Thousands upon thousands. Lord, may we see the sick healed. May we see lives transformed through those small groups, through new believer ministries, through pastoral care. And Father, may we see families thriving and children upon children being ministered to. And Lord, I ask that you would reveal to us and show each and every one of us our part to play in that vision. That you would lead us, you would guide us, and you would direct us. And we thank you for it. In your precious name we pray. Amen and amen. Guys, as we close, we've got some small group leaders up here who will pray with you. If you have never made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, or if you maybe walked far from him and you're saying, you know what? I need to return to Jesus. These guys can pray with you. Don't leave here without that. Because the vision for your life starts first and foremost with a relationship with Jesus. You get nowhere else, no further, because everything else is on your own strength, trying to do it on your own. So if that's you this morning, I want you to come down here and get prayer after service is over. Don't wait another day. If you need prayer for healing or anything else in your life, these guys will also pray for you. 
But I want to read the benediction for you guys out of, guess what, John chapter 4. All right, people are listening. It says this, But the hour is coming, and now is, that's what I opened with, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and truth. Father, as we leave here today, Lord, that our worship would go before us. That we give You all the honor and the praise and the glory for who You are and what You've done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Don't forget to vote on Tuesday. Come to prayer on Wednesday. And if that was you that I was talking to, come up here and get some prayer this morning. Amen, amen. You are